Hi everyone, and welcome to my silly little podcast. Yes, this is now going to be my official introduction. My name is Sarah, and this podcast is called Emotional Baggage Claim. This podcast focuses on the topics of mental well-being and the psychology behind it. I'm not going to lie, it's been a busy couple weeks, and unfortunately, way too many weeks have passed since my very first episode. I'm happy to announce that I've graduated with not one, but two bachelor degrees, one in psychology and one in human development. Getting past the finish line of defending my thesis and successfully passing state exams was simply said, difficult. But I'm excited to see what awaits me next. Spending so much time alone in my room studying the same materials over and over until I hoped they would just stick in my brain made me realize how much I have trouble actually being alone, especially sitting with negative thoughts. Of course, prior to the exams, those thoughts were along the lines of what if I don't pass the exams or what if I get an anxiety attack right in the middle of the exam room in front of all my professors and how embarrassing that would be and like many more along the same path. But even now, after the storm has finally calmed down, I still struggle with sitting alone with my thoughts, especially if it's for multiple days in a row. This particularly surprised me because I've always considered myself an introvert, maybe like ambivert at best. I have struggled with a bit of social anxiety, worse at times, better at times over the years throughout my entire life. And even after socializing with my closest or like my best friends, I always needed time to recharge. And not even during COVID lockdown, Did I ever feel like a strong urge to be around other people? Like I was fine with it. I think that is one of the many areas where I have grown over the past four and a half years at university. I'm better at communicating my ideas and talking about things I'm passionate about. And I'm much better at being social and spending time with others. So much so, I think I might have neglected myself a little bit. The main topic of this episode is being alone. And I, along with you, my listeners, will be exploring the importance of spending time alone, practicing self-care, and the internet coin concept of dating yourself. There are several benefits of these practices for your own personal growth, your mental health, and just your overall well-being. So let's dive right into it. In my eyes, being alone is an art. Of course, this wouldn't be a psychology podcast without me throwing in some definitions and debunking some misconceptions. So let me just say that there is a huge difference between loneliness and solitude. Loneliness is a negative emotional state while solitude is the intentional act of being alone and enjoying one's own company. There is incredible value to spending time alone. And yes, this might sound a bit ironic coming from someone who has trouble with it, 
But there is a reason why I do try my best to spend time with just myself. One is that it gives you the time to explore the importance of self-reflection and self-awareness. Solitude provides an opportunity for introspection and gaining a deeper understanding of oneself. Being alone allows us to focus on our own needs, our own goals, our desires. And I think that is something a lot of us might not do so often. And this can lead not only to personal growth, but to self-empowerment. And of course, social connectivity is important for our mental health as well. But there are negative consequences of accessing socialization. And we should really try to balance it with the benefits of solitude as well. So the balance here is really important. For me, something that spending like more time alone has showed me was that I have a deep desire to create. Whether that is in the form of this podcast, writing, or art, I like to dabble in a little bit of everything. When talking about time alone, it is natural to think of acts of self-care. Because many self-care acts are things we intentionally do alone. Many self-care acts are things that we intentionally do alone. Whether... We are talking about physical, emotional, or mental parts of taking care of ourselves. Self-care encompasses this holistic approach to well-being, including taking care of one's body, our emotions, or mental health. And it's important to remember that self-care is not a luxury, but a necessity. It's a necessity for maintaining good mental health and overall well-being. Self-care doesn't have to be time-consuming or expensive. And it can really be as easy as staying in the car for five minutes longer and listen to your favorite song. There are many practical self-care strategies that we can implement. And these can range from anything like exercise, mindfulness, journaling, engaging in your favorite hobbies, practicing gratitude, getting enough sleep, and maintaining healthy relationships. And I truly encourage each and every one of you listening to this episode to develop a personalized self-care routine. It's important to find activities that resonate with your individual needs and preferences and really write it down, put it down on paper and create a self-care plan or schedule and try your best to stick to it. Finally, I want to talk about a term that you might have heard thrown around on the internet, which is dating yourself. Which, in its most basic means, loving and valuing your own company. Dating yourself involves treating yourself with love, care, and respect. And the term comes from the idea of engaging in activities that are typically associated with dating, but instead of doing them with and significant other, you direct them inward and you do them on yourself. So take yourself out on a date, buy yourself a cute gift, buy yourself flowers, put them in a vase, stare at them while you eat dinner, anything like that. I suggest trying to date yourself to anyone who struggles with self-love and self-esteem. And because it can really like help you see yourself in a different light. And as I always like to say, you don't have to love yourself, but you should try to love being yourself. 
you should really try to fall in love with the experience of being you, fall in love with life from your viewpoint, your perspective. This includes loving your hobbies, loving your daily routine, loving your family, your friends, your significant others, and of course your pets. We cannot forget our pets. Of course, it's not easy. Unfortunately, nobody ever said it was. And those who did were lying. But benefits of cultivating a healthy relationship with yourself can foster self-acceptance and a positive self-image. But don't worry, I won't leave you to figure out everything on your own. There are many ways you can enjoy your own company, such as trying new activities, exploring your interests, pampering yourself with a spa day or a solo outing to a museum or park, taking yourself out on a date to your favorite restaurant or cafe, or simply spending a cozy evening at home with a good book or a good movie. My personal go-tos are making a conscious effort to have like date nights with myself. And it's usually me doing something artistic or reading a good book or with audiobooks. I can do both at once. But when I do this, one thing is that I try to stay off my phone and kind of limit communications with anyone else and really spend that time alone. However, going on a solo date to a museum has been on my yearly to-do list since January 1st. And it's currently July and I still didn't get to it. So, you know, you have to treat yourself with some compassion and with a lot of patience because it's not easy. With dating yourself and self-acceptance, the most important thing is to schedule time for yourself and make yourself a priority in your own life. And no, this does not make you selfish. Spending time alone can be, you know, challenging. And with this comes Cultivating healthy boundaries with others as well as yourself. So number one thing that I would like to talk about is FOMO, aka the fear of missing out, and the social pressure that comes with it. One way we can manage FOMO is by reframing our perspective on missing out and learning to prioritize our own personal needs. So after a busy week, what you might really need is a quiet night alone, even though you know, going out with your friends may sound really tempting. You should do what's best for you. And if you struggle with FOMO and choosing yourself over your family and friends, I suggest starting with short periods of alone time and then gradually increasing them. And with this, exploring the benefits that can arise from embracing solitude. Setting healthy boundaries, as I mentioned earlier, is also really important because it's necessary to know when to say no. It's important to set boundaries to protect your own personal time, your energy, and this makes a huge difference in one's overall well-being. Healthy boundaries with others as well as ourselves can't help prevent burnout reduce stress, and overall foster healthier relationships. It's not for nothing that relationship gurus often say that it's important to give people time to miss you. If anyone has any questions about the topics I have covered in this episode, in the following couple of days, you might see some question boxes pop up on my Instagram stories, if I don't forget. 
Um, so don't feel shy and type your questions in there. You can also always message me on Instagram at Saturdays of Sarah. And that is it for what I have to say. But as you might know, the last part of my podcast is always looking at a research paper or a scientific source of some kind that I have read through carefully and summarized for you all. So today, in this last part of my podcast, we're diving into a fascinating topic discussed in this paper, and the paper is called Seeking More Solitude, Conceptualization, Assessment, and Implications of A Loneliness. So the authors of this paper wanted to explore the negative feelings that can arise from someone not having enough alone time, which they call a loneliness. Not a loneliness, but a loneliness spelled all together. They developed a scale called solitude and a loneliness scale to measure a loneliness and understand its impact on well-being. So a loneliness is basically feeling bummed out because you think you're not spending enough time alone. So it's the opposite of feeling lonely. You see, there's this paradox when it comes to being alone. On one hand, solitude has been associated with positive things like self-exploration, creativity, renewal, and, you know, all the good things that we have explored earlier in this podcast. But... On the other hand, society often tells us that being alone is bad and makes us feel like we're missing out, which is why I earlier mentioned FOMO. So the authors argue that a loneliness is the negative side of solitude, where we experience dissatisfaction with not having enough time for ourselves. And now let's get to the science bits. To study a loneliness, the researchers created the solitude and aloneness scale. It's like a questionnaire that helps measure how much loneliness someone feels. They conducted several studies to make sure the scale was reliable and valid, meaning it accurately captures what it intends to measure. The researchers wanted to find out who was more likely to feel a loneliness. They thought that people who really value and desire alone time would be more prone to a loneliness. And they were right. The studies show that individuals who have a strong preference for solitude and really enjoy being alone are much more likely to experience a loneliness. Interestingly, it's not just about the actual time spent alone or the ideal time spent alone, but it's the mismatch between what we want and what we actually get that causes a loneliness. The researchers also explored the connection between shyness and a loneliness. They thought maybe that shy people might feel a loneliness when they desire to avoid others, for example, due to social anxiety. But while shyness did predict a loneliness, it wasn't the main explanation for the link between shyness and negative emotions. So shyness is associated with other factors that contribute to feeling down, such as heightened threat perception and rumination of negative thoughts. A loneliness has implications for our well-being. It's not just a fleeting feeling because it can have lasting impacts on our mental health. The studies found that a loneliness is associated with stress and depressive episodes, 
when we don't have enough alone time, it can take a huge toll on our emotions and our overall well-being. But here's an interesting twist. The impact of alone time on depressive symptoms actually varies depending on our own level of aloneliness. So if we're less prone to aloneliness, spending time alone can be associated with more depressive symptoms. However, if we strongly desire alone time and feel aloneliness, the association weakens. So it is widely believed that too much solitude is bad for us, but the paper challenges this notion and suggests that we should also consider the implications of not having enough alone time. Just like Goldilocks and her porridge, there is an optimal balance between social engagement and solitude that is just right for each of us. And the researchers propose the Goldilocks hypothesis which suggests that there are individual differences in the ideal amount of alone time for positive effects to occur. A loneliness arises when we perceive that we're not getting enough alone time. So finding that balance is crucial for our own well-being. To sum it up, a loneliness is all about feeling down when we think we're not spending enough time alone. The researchers developed the scale, the solitude and aloneness scale, to measure a loneliness and their studies supported its validity. People who strongly desire solitude and value alone time are more likely to experience a loneliness. A loneliness is associated with stress and depressive symptoms, but the impact of alone time on our mental health depends on our own level of a loneliness. So it's important to find the right balance between social engagement and solitude to maintain our well-being. And that wraps up our exploration of a loneliness. Remember, spending time alone is a natural part of life and it's essential to honor our need for solitude. I'd like to end this podcast with a gentle reminder that I am not a licensed therapist or a certified life coach or anything of that sort. I am a graduate psychology student who is on the same journey of bettering myself and accepting myself of my many, many flaws. When it comes to this podcast and to my social media accounts, I consider myself to be an educator. And the purpose of this podcast is simply to educate and offer some helpful tips, one human to another. It is not professional advice and should not be considered or used as such. And of course, if you want to read up more on the topics I have mentioned in this podcast, check out the description to find lots of helpful links.